Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to It's Just Business. This is a brand new podcast where we interview solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, creators, and coaches, and learn from the journeys of others. Kicking off our guest list today, we have someone who changes the lives of everyone they train, myself included. He's trained top level athletes, including badminton athletes, tennis players, footballers, just to name a few. And he even has a black belt himself under head coach Max Campos. He is no stranger to training world-class athletes and getting the best out of anyone. Introducing, ladies and gentlemen, Benjamin Naylor. Thank you, Christian. Good to be here. How are you, firstly? Good. Yeah? Yeah. Awesome. Um, so, I've touched on who yeah. you are already. Yep. Um, but kind of from your, in your own words, is yeah. there anything that you want, want to add as to who you are um, and what you do? Um, so... For those who don't know me, my name is Benjamin Naylor, creator of Beyond Boundary Strength and Conditioning, where we specialize in helping combat athletes reach peak performance, but we also help um, a non-athlete reach the best version of themselves. What would you say distinguishes you from the other coaches out there? I feel, you know, personal training, uh, strength and conditioning, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot of coaches. And so what makes you what makes Beyond Boundaries different? I'd probably say my passion and enthusiasm for what I do. Um, I know there's a lot of great coaches out there with a lot of great knowledge. Um, and I highly respect um, the coaches out there and I'm always learning from them. But I think looking at my peers or the people that I look up to, I think the one thing that I have um, that is quite hard to match is my enthusiasm and my passion for what I do. I literally love this. Love helping people um, reach the best version of themselves. Um, and being in sport my whole life, you know, growing up playing sport from a young age in like high level academies and then competing in martial arts, boxing, wrestling, jujitsu, being a black belt myself right now. You know, I kind of feel like I understand what the fighters are going through because I've done it myself. I've competed myself. Um, I've cut weight myself. Um, you know, so I've faced a lot of obstacles and challenges that they may be facing. And I understand the sport, the dynamics of it, the ins and outs. So I feel like that definitely gives me an advantage to be the best coach I can be to them. You recently got your black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Yeah, yeah. How does that feel? I mean, yeah. that's a, that's a big accomplishment. Yeah, that, that was, um, that's, that's crazy. It really is. So I started jujitsu over 10 years ago and um, I came from a wrestling background. And, um, and then I met Max, Max Campos, my coach, and he was coming to the wrestling classes and we just built a relationship. And then I started helping him with his strength conditioning. And then he was encouraging me to come and do jujitsu. And there yeah, I started doing jujitsu in 2012. And within two months I was competing in competitions because I had that wrestling background. So not like most people, but um, yeah, I went straight into competing. And then, yeah, I just, it, I, I fell in love with the sport. Like the, the, whole, the whole challenge of it and being able to challenge myself and give myself the opportunity to go and win something um, and fight against some of the best athletes in the world as well. That was a great opportunity. And never really thought about having a black belt, just thought about turning up to training and becoming a better athlete and a better fighter. And then before you know it, like you're going up through the belts and then you're at brown belt and you know, black's next. And and then yeah, about around about six months ago, um, I got awarded my black belt. So yeah, that was um, an amazing moment, definitely, yeah. But the one thing I like about jujitsu is individual. It's all down to you. Like you get to dictate whether you're gonna perform or not. Um, it's all down to you to make it happen. And I kind of like that. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree. I think martial arts, although you compete as an individual, there's a huge community aspect to it. And especially in jujitsu, as I'm finding out myself, yeah. there's a whole worldwide community of people that are trying new things. You can go travel and do some training. Yeah. It's a whole community that support you in not necessarily competition, but they get you ready to be your best. Yeah. I think that's something very special about martial arts. If you were to talk to your younger mm. self, it's very cliche, but mm. there's a lot of value that can come from it. 
if you were to talk to your younger self in terms of the coaching, the business side of things, what would you, what tips would you give them? I think when it comes to business, the one thing that I'd tell my younger self to work on is mindset. Mm. I think mindset was a, is everything. Like what you believe in, mm. um, you know, how you brought, how you're brought up, you know, can dictate your actions when you're older within your business. Mm. So that's one thing that I learned and I ended up doing a course with this lady and it was a, it was a business course. So you done systems, marketing, and a lot of it was on mindset. Mm. And that's when I really discovered um, me putting obstacles in within my own mind, how that was stopping me from excelling. And if I just overcome my limiting beliefs, mm. how I could excel and get even better. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, that's very much something that I'm trying to practice myself to this day. Mm. And I, I don't know who said it, but you, I, someone said you have to become a permissionless apprentice. And so, uh, so someone who just yeah. doesn't need permission to do anything, someone yeah. who just does it, yeah. you don't need to ask for someone to do something. You just get it done and you're always learning through that. And I thought the con the, the name permissionless apprentice kind of really resonated with me yeah and so i think when you talk about mindset i think yeah, yeah that's something very important because i think people you know i'm mm. sure you see it in training that a lot a lot of people don't have self-belief mm. and if you can instill that through your training i think that's something that carries on into business and into the wider things that you do yeah could you could like could you give an example of that situation of like yeah asking. like a simple example of how Ooh. some people might not do something because they're trying to get permission from somebody else or mm. so i can only talk about my yeah. own experiences and i think we very much all get in our own head and i think a good example is when let's say you have a business idea let's say you have this amazing idea that you want to pursue and within those first minute, within the first first minute of you thinking about it, mm. it's the best idea, it's amazing, you're gonna be huge and successful. But then as time goes on, more and more things from your mind start, no, oh, but I can't do that because of this. Oh, you know, it's not the right timing. And you start thinking of these excuses to not do it. And I've caught myself doing that a lot. And I think you very much have to try to hold on to that initial excitement because there's always going to be things in the way. And if you hold on to that initial excitement and whether it's starting a business, you know, starting a podcast or whatever it may be, there's always going to be things in the way. And so for me, the example is probably this podcast, you know, I was waiting for the mm -hmm. right time. I was waiting for, you know, will people think I'm interesting? I'm thinking of these excuses to get in the way of me, not doing what I wanted to do mm. and when you put it in black and white for me not doing that what I wanted to do you say it and you're like well that just doesn't make sense because I want to do this let's do it and so the permissionless apprentice for me that's why it rings yeah. true to me because you don't need permission just just go do it yeah and yeah <laughs> yeah no it's interesting what you said actually about you know when you get that initial idea mm. like that that spontaneous thought comes to your head mm. like something that light bulb moment you have and uh, you know and that's that amazing idea or that new project you've come up with that you want to execute mm. but then usually what happens for me is if i start thinking about it a little bit more i'm overthinking mm. so i'll start to overthink and then you for me my my the voices will come into my head. Maybe it's your fears. Mm. Maybe it's your doubts. Um, all them things start coming to your head. Mm. But one thing I've learned to do over the last couple of years, and I'm still and I'm still working on it now, is that first initial idea, that 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 first idea, yeah. as you mentioned, that excitement, that crazy idea that came to your mind. Mm. Go with it. Like yeah. as soon as it comes, go with it. Like yeah. don't overthink it. Just go with it. And let the market decide you and something because mm. i consume a lot of motivational content it's all yeah. in my feed just to kind of i love it yeah and you have to let and something that i've taken away from what i consume is you have to let the market decide you don't decide if it's valuable or not obviously mm. there's to some certain extent 
your, you know, is this the best idea that I can come up with? And then there's certain regards, but to not put it out mm. means that you're not letting the market react to it. Yeah. And so whether it, like you said, whether whatever idea that may be, if it fails, it fails. Yeah. You go again, you try, you wait for your another spontaneous idea to come through, but you have to let let it happen. Yeah. yeah. That's the best way to put it, really. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Nice. I like that one. Good. So, what about? Let's talk about training. What are probably the most common things, most common mistakes that you see when people either show up to take a training pro, take a training to go on Mm. a training program? What are the most common issues that you find people? do when in terms of training i think if i was to walk around a gym floor Mm. and look at people and what common mistakes would come to my mind Mm. one of them would be having no structure Mm. so a lot of them would turn up to the gym there's no plan in place Mm. and if there's no plan in place how do you expect to get from a to b when there's no roadmap yeah it's like if you're setting off on a journey in the car and you've got a particular destination that you haven't been to before, mm. you're, either, <laughs> you're either gonna get out your roadmap or get yeah. out your Google map. So you've got a route mm. to get you to your destination. Mm. It's the same with training. Like mm. if, you're, if you're overweight, lacking flexibility, lacking strength, and you wanna change all them things, mm. then you need to have a plan in place that's gonna get you to where you wanna be. And most mm. people don't have a plan. They'll probably just turn up to training and they get into the gym and they don't even know what they're training. They're even, they're, they've walked on the gym floor, they don't even know what they're training yet. Mm. They're like, right, what do I do? How, how do I feel? Mm, yeah, no, let's do a chest session again. Mm. Or let's do some biceps again. Um, so no structure mm. and having no plan. That's definitely a big, big mistake I see. Yeah, I feel like I'm guilty of that sometimes as well. But yeah, but then yeah. what I tell myself is yeah. I'm here. <laughs> there's there's a, there's a, a small win there yeah that okay i'm here you know i feel like because i've trained with you before that yeah. i have more, not more information than most but i have some idea as to the structure that i need but yeah i imagine walking around on the gym floor is you know quite an adventure seeing people just do instagram workouts or whatever mm. it may be because you can pick up some interesting workouts yeah on, on the internet <laughs> I mean, for you, it's different because like you went for a training program with me. Mm. So you'd obviously, uh, you, you'd obviously been through a process where there was structure mm. and, uh, and there was a purpose behind certain exercises that you were doing in the gym. Yeah. So now when you go in the gym, having that experience helps you. Mm. Whereas most of the people in the gym, they've never had that experience. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Somebody once asked me about your training and they said, mm. and they have a good relationship with the pro fighter that I know you still train. So I, I take a little pat on my back for myself. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And he asked, does it actually work? Does the training actually make a difference? Yeah. And I was really ch- proud of myself yeah. because I feel like I described it perfectly. Yeah, oh yeah. I said, the accumulation of the small details oh. makes a massive difference. Yeah. And I know from doing a session with you myself, it's always like one little movement or one thing should be here on, and you, suddenly you're like, oh my God, this exercise is killing me. <laughs> Whereas I feel like sometimes you could do an exercise and you're like, oh, nice. But then you would correctly go, oh no, just engage this. And then I'm like, oh, holy crap. This is <laughs> all of a sudden a very difficult exercise. And that done consistently over time makes a huge difference. And even after that training camp that I did with you, yeah, I was fitter, more explosive, and you know it made a huge difference. So I can only thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, and yeah, like that's a it's a great way to put it. The the accumulation of the smaller details mm. done consistently will have huge impact. Mm. And that's another thing. Like when it comes to the gym, you know, you'll see people in the gym and they're lifting. They're doing a certain exercise. Mm. Could be a deadlift. Could be a lat pull down. And because the technique's wrong they're not getting the benefits of that exercise. So for example, you're going into the gym and you want to train back mm. and you're doing a lat pull down, but you're doing the lat pull down wrong. You're, you know, you're crunching in or, um, you know, many things can go wrong with it. 
the purpose of that exercise was to work your lats and the back muscles, but because you're doing the wrong movement, mm. you're not actually getting the benefits. So it's very important to understand the exercise and how to execute the exercise properly so that you actually, you actually get the benefits from it. It's such tiny details and yeah. <laughs> it's mm. I just remember trading with you and it's the tidiest thing. It's mm. the little like tuck your hip in or don't overextend your abdominals. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh God, like you, it, yeah. it, it flips a switch and you're like, okay, I can feel what should be activating working now is mm. actually happening. And I'm like, oh wow, this, exactly. is, this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah. And then you're less likely to get injured. Mm. You're going to get results a lot faster. Mm. So, yeah. Nutrition. Mm. You are, I would consider, a very healthy person. Yep. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know that it's probably not yeah. always been like that. Yeah. But I feel that when you start to train more seriously, when you start to do these things, the nutrition seems to follow along. You start to eat healthier. Mm. What would you say is like, oh, how do I describe this? Was there a moment? Was there, no, I don't want to go on to a moment. Was there, has nutrition always been a big part of like your life? If, you know, has it always been, have you always cared about what you eat? You know, I see your teas, I see your, mm. you know, just general diet is in, insane. And yeah. so has it always been like that? And what's prompted it to, I know obviously you're training, but is yeah. there anything that- That's a good question. Do you see where I'm going? Yeah, and that's a really good question. And mm. yeah, like I started getting into nutrition when I was about seven, when I was about 17, 18. And the reason why I got into nutrition, I was getting acne. I was getting acne really bad. Yeah. Like to the point where like I didn't want to go outside. It was really bad. And obviously I was doing things at the time what wasn't helping like drugs and drink. Um and yeah, and then I read an article somewhere and it was this woman, she talked about how to get rid of acne. Mm. And it was um basically a diet plan and it was like loads of vegetables, loads of berries, um, loads of salads and all that sort of stuff. And at the time I was trying to change my life or I was trying yeah. to change the way I felt and stuff like that. So yeah, I was, I was obviously cutting out the drinking, cutting out the, um, the drugs and then started on this diet plan. And I started writing down what I was eating. Okay. So I had a little diary little and I'd journal. write down cause I'd want to understand if what I was doing was having an effect. So I'd have a set routine, a set plan. I'd be eating certain foods, writing down what I was eating at what times and doing that on a day by day basis and then assessing how my skin was. Mm. And then at some point I could see like my skin was getting clearer, it was getting better. And then I was understanding what I was putting in my body was having an effect on the way I looked. Mm. And that's for me, that changed everything. And ever since then, like from what, 17, 18 years of age, mm. like nutrition has been a big thing for me, what I'm putting in my body is having an effect on not only the way I look, but the way I feel. Mm. And that's the reason why I, majority of the time I eat healthy. Like mm. I have times where like, I have a, like a little routine, Monday to Friday, I'd stick to a strict routine. Mm. Um, and then on the weekends, I relax a little bit. Nice. Like I, I've got a sweet tooth, I love chocolate, oh, like nice. big time, oh, love it. And, uh, I, and I can smash a lot of chocolate, <laughs> but I don't eat chocolate in the week. On some occasions this happened, but the majority of the time, Monday to Friday, I won't eat chocolate. Mm. I'll wait until Saturday and Sunday to eat it. So I've got a little bit of a structure where it's helped me stay on track or, or be, in, you know, be in good health mm. by having some type of plan, having some type of structure with my nutrition. Mm. But going back to the question, yeah, like being younger and being conscious of the way I looked and, and uh, lacking confidence and having uh, the problems with acne, that really made me look into what I was putting into my body. Mm. Was there, when you started doing your journaling, when you started writing down what mm. you were putting into your body, Yeah. was there any that stood out and you were like, oh, you noticed and it changed immediately after either cutting that out or adding that into your diet? Um, yeah, I noticed that the more vegetables and the more vegetables and um, cleaner foods that I was eating mm. was helping with my skin and cutting out all the processed foods 
was also helping. So I could see that like, yeah, the cleaner and more natural the foods were, the better I looked and the better I felt. Um, I feel yeah. like you very much answered the question that I was going to ask. And it was, um, if I was to play devil's advocate yeah. to the advice of you putting a plan in place, yeah, it would be, well, it's not really that enjoyable. It's, you know, you don't have the, I would say spontaneity mm. of just going to eat something like a, you know, a kebab of sorts mm. or whatever it may be. What, what would you say in response to that? Like that you, that it's too regimented. Yeah. I feel that would be the excuse that I would think most people make to not committing to a healthier lifestyle or a healthier nutrition plan or a healthier training program. I feel like mm. the argument would be that it's too structured, it's yeah. too regimented. Yeah. What would you kind of say to that? Well, I think then you need to allow for a level of flexibility within your structured plan. For example, Monday to Friday, I stick to a strict routine. Weekends, I relax a little bit. So I have that little bit of flexibility that gives me um, a little bit of freedom, you could say. So it doesn't, um, yeah, it gives me a little bit of freedom and it makes, when I'm when I'm on my structured plan, it makes it feel better. Like normally on a Monday, when I get back to my structured plan, I'm looking forward to it because mm. I would have ate some junk food over the weekend. I'm like, okay, I need to get back to mm. my structured plan. But one thing I would say about, like eating healthy food doesn't have to be good. Like you can eat healthy food and it'd be tasty. Like my food is like I cook in the week. That's mm. healthy. Mm. It's tasty. Like, I love it. Mm. It tastes good. And yeah, there is like unhealthy food you can eat that tastes good as well. Mm. But one thing I've realized over the years now is like, I'm always assessing how I feel. Mm. Like how does something make me feel? Mm. For example, if I spend time with you, how did it make me feel? Mm. If I eat this type of food, how did it make me feel? And if I eat some junk food, probably I'm gonna feel a little bit sluggish after, I'm gonna feel a bit after. Mm. I don't wanna feel like that. But if I eat some good clean food that also tastes good, yeah. I feel good after. I feel, and, I, I'm all, I'm, and I'm all about how I feel. Because mm. I, for me, I need to always be at my best because I'm working with people who I'm trying to get them to become their best. And I need to be the leader. I need to be the motivator. I need to be the inspiration. So I need to be feeling good. Mm. So for me, food, when it comes down to picking foods, when I eat this, how's it gonna make me feel after? Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it because I think <laughs> I could say this for myself as well because you know I do love me a kebab every now and then, but mm. I think do you have nutrition goals? Do you do you have something? Because you said yeah. in terms of when you're having a training plan, if you want to get the best out of your training, you need to have a training program. Yeah. Do you yourself have nutrition goals or is it just, I want to feel better? Is it just, you know, yeah. Is it just looking at yourself and going, you know, this makes me feel good. So I'm going to continue doing it. Yeah, definitely. It's like a big part of it is what I'm putting in my body. How did it make me feel? Did I feel good after? Mm. But then like, you know, cause I've been since the age of 17, I've been studying nutrition and writing stuff down and learning about my own self. I've got to a point now where I don't really need a plan. I already have the plan in my head. Like yeah. a lot of the times within the week, I'm eating the similar sort of foods mm. um, in terms of quantity sizes. So like you could say like, I've got enough experience now where I know exactly what I need to be doing. And if I need to taper something, if I need more carbohydrates, cause my activity levels are higher then I will I implement it. If I need lower carbs, cause I'm not gonna be doing a lot or sat around, yeah. um, not training. It could be a rest day, then I can taper it. Um, but going back to what we were talking about a minute ago about like food that tastes good and how it makes you feel. Mm. You know, one of the things that like I've noticed, right? If you're used to eating unhealthy food, that feeling of how food makes you feel becomes normal to you. That's your baseline, Yeah. right? That's your baseline. It's not until you change the way you're eating and you start to eat healthier, cleaner foods, get rid of all the processed foods, mm. eat natural foods, and then you see how that affects you and how that makes you feel and how your stomach feels so much clearer and you feel so much lighter and not so bloated. You've got more energy, your skin looks better. Mm. 
It's not until you experience that that makes you realize what you were doing before, how bad it actually makes you feel. How did you get in to being a coach? How did it how did it all start? Well, just to give you a bit of a bit of a background, I think it'll probably be good to give you an idea of how it all came to becoming a coach. Um, so growing up, playing football, young age, eight years of age, started in the academies at 11 years of age, um, was at Coventry, um, didn't quite work out, was there for like a year. And um, I remember getting um, released and kind of at that time I could feel I was, you know, I was only 11, 12 and straight away, like my confidence was gone. I didn't want to go back to playing Sunday league football or whatever mm. with my other team. I kind of been at the top, you know, and then and then being released was a bit of a, um, it, it affected my confidence big time. And I didn't really have anybody around at that time to um, to to be like, look, don't worry, let's go to another club. Um, I was brought up with uh, my mum and she was by herself. She brought me and my sister up by herself. So she didn't really have the resources to, like she never used to be able to take me to games or anything like that. She didn't drive. So I always had my football manager. Um, he was always doing things like taking me places and stuff like that. Mm. And I was, if, you know, I was in Coventry Academy with um, his son. So his son was in the academy and so was I. And he used to take us all the time and do everything. And then when I was released, I kind of didn't have anybody to push me on. And I kind of felt like, you know, my mum had a, like a tough job, you know, bringing two kids up on her own, not many resources. So, um, and I kind of, maybe she didn't realize how, maybe she didn't realize how good I was or yeah, probably just didn't have that resources to, to take me to that next level. So kind of fell off track and yeah. And then got to about, I think it was about 14, 15 and then stopped playing football. And then I started doing other things with my life. Mm. Just like, but now I was at a stage where I was like, yeah, everything's, I was, I looked at life. I was looking at life differently. You're growing up, mm. everything's became cool to you. Um, and yeah, started taking a bit of a wrong turn mm. in life. So for example, like when I was 14, got expelled from school. So not many people would um, think that when they meet me now, they're like, how could they that have like, you know, yeah, I can never two, see that two, happening to them. don't match, yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, I'm shocked by that. Yeah. So like, yeah, I was uh, into other things, got expelled from school. So I was going down a bit of a slippery slope. Um, and then like my focus was doing other things in life. I wasn't really going to school. So I was doing other things with my time, which weren't good. And, and then I was getting in trouble with the police and I was doing a lot of drinking and a lot of drugs. Um, and that became my lifestyle really. Like, so sport wasn't around at that time. And this was like when I was like probably 16, 17. And, um, and then it took a, it really took a, um, a big slide uh, when I was uh, 17. I got sent to a young offenders institute. Uh, yeah, so I got like a six month sentence. I'd done three months, um, which was a, like at the time it was like, yeah, I think that was a big turning point for me. Mm. Um, like even though it was three months, it was kind of like, you know, going through that whole process of, you know, getting in trouble with the police, going to court cases, all that sort of stuff. That was a regular thing for me back when I was younger. Yeah. Like that was a normal thing. Um, uh, and yeah. Was that very much because of who you were surrounding yourself with? Like, what would you say kind of led up to the point that you, uh, it was on, that you were on the young offenders list? Yeah, so um, I wouldn't, there was no one to blame apart from myself. Like I was, like I was the one who was so focused on, you know, being a bit of a bad boy. You know, that was cool to me doing, doing bad things mm. or like, you know, yeah, doing certain things that bad boys would do. Like that was cool to me. Mm. And um, so it wasn't, the, you know, I was surrounded by people who, who liked that too, but I put myself in them situations mm. and, um, you know, to be honest, like no one was really leading me. I was leading myself. Uh, one thing I would say is like growing up, I did have certain peers I looked up to that weren't good influences. Like I had older cousins and um, just older, older friends um, who were doing things that weren't good. And I was looking up to them. So they were kind of my peers back then. Mm. 
And now looking back on the situation, I'd probably say like, I didn't grow up with a father around. So like, maybe I was looking up to them as like a, a male um, role, role model, mm. which isn't good. So that definitely helped towards me going down that path is having these peers who were doing bad things or these uh, male role models who were doing bad things. And I was looking up to them and I wanted to be like them. Mm. Um, but yeah, so then, yeah, hit, got to 17 and then obviously got sent to the Young, Off Young Offenders Institute mm. for three months. And yeah, it kind of, I remember there was one moment where it really hit me. It was when I was in the court and um, like, cause I'd been in trouble so many times and I hadn't been sent to, to jail or young. And I always managed to get myself out of it somehow. Yeah. And even my friends used to say to me, man, how is he, how is he, how is he still not in jail? He must be a grass. Yeah. <laughs> that was the thing, right? If you, Suspicious. Yeah. I'm laughing about it now. They were like, yeah, how is he? But I always used to wriggle my way out of it somehow. Mm. And that, that, this particular time, there was no way out. It yeah. was like the last, last resort basically, or like that was my last opportunity or, um, yeah, they'd had enough with me basically. Yeah. And I remember being in the court and. I remember like when I, when, when they said, look, you know, three uh, you're going to do six month sentence. Like literally that day I left the court and I was going to, to the young offenders Institute. Mm. And I remember seeing my mum and she was at the uh, back of the room and she was just like crying and it, like, look, and I looked at her and I just realized like that was the first time in her life that she could not do anything to help me. Like there'd been times I'd got in trouble in the past, like, and she'd always back me. She was always there. Like even when I was doing bad, nah, Ben's not bad. Ben, Ben's a good lad. Ben didn't do that, blah, blah, blah. And that was the first day I looked at the back of the court, I see her crying and she had no control over the situation. She couldn't even stop them taking me away. So then that sort of hit me. I was like, okay, I can't keep doing this to my mum. So I was 17, I was in the Young Offenders Institute. And when I got in there, I managed to get myself on a gym course. So I was working in the gym. So I'd be in the gym every day, um, learning. Uh, I'd done a course. It was like a British weightlifting association course. And um, I was 17 back then. And I didn't really think about becoming a personal trainer or anything like that back then. But I remember there being like a, a guy uh, who was in there. He was from London. And um, his goal was to become a personal trainer and train celebrities and get rich. I always remember him saying, that. I was like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. Mm. Um, anyway, managed to be in the gym every day. Um, and then that's when I first started lifting. The first time I started lifting was in there. And then I was playing football like three times a week as well. Um, but then I came out and I just forgot about that. And then I went on to get a job on the building site and I was a laborer. And then I went through like a, um, like a bit of plumbing, a bit of bricklaying, all that sort of stuff. Realized it wasn't for me. Um, was, I wasn't in a good position in terms of my health. I wasn't like, I wasn't healthy. I remember, I remember there being times where I like, look in the mirror at myself and I'd be like, I'd look in the mirror and I didn't like the way I looked because of the, like how the alcohol and the drugs would affect me. You know, I might go out on a Friday night and I might not get back till Sunday evening. Mm. Like on a, like just straight, like just doing like a, what 48 hour bender yeah. or whatever. Like that, that, that's what I was doing. Like, so you can imagine like how it affected my health and doing that every weekend is just mad. And I remember looking in the mirror and just looking at myself and be like, what is, what the hell has happened to you? Do you know what I mean? You kept, you was a, you was a prospect who was potentially going to go on and become a professional football player. Now, when I was younger, people would always be like, Ben's going to become something. This kid's got potential. Um, and I was looking in, my, in the mirror and thinking, look who you are now, man. You know, sometimes I wouldn't even want to go out the, the door because mm. of the way I looked. I was very conscious of the way I looked because of the drugs were affecting me. And um, yeah, I, feel, I think, and, and, that, and that looking in the mirror, I kind of remember them times looking in the mirror and just seeing that and not being happy with who I was and, and, and then voices from back when I was younger, like being seen as someone who had potential and who was gonna grow up to become something, that them voices were always in my head. And, and then at some point, um, I just, yeah, I managed to turn it around and I turned it around, bringing it back to how I became a coach. Mm. Um, I wanted to play football again. So I joined a local football team mm. and um, I went for the trials and all that sort of stuff. They put me in the reserve team, which I wasn't used to. I was always, you know, I want to be in the first team. I want to yeah. be the best. And that sort of triggered something within me. I was like, okay, cool. All right, well, I need to need to get better. I need to get fitter. Cause I wasn't fit. I was out of shape. I was overweight, like believe it or not. Um, I had a bit of a belly and all sorts. And um, so I was in pre- 
I'd love to see a picture of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I've actually got one. Oh, amazing. Yeah, I'd have to show you. Yeah. yeah. And um, so pre-season and I was, and then I was like this, it ignited something in me where I was like, right, I want to, I want to make the first team. So then I joined the gym to get fit for football. And at that time I was working for a painting and decorating company. So I was doing an apprenticeship with them, mm. which was good. I was like changing, like I was getting fitter and stronger. I was playing football again. I had an apprenticeship I was doing. I was going to college. Things were on the up. Yeah, things were on the up. I was turning things around. Mm. And then, it, but I realized that working on a building site wasn't for me. Mm. I didn't like the environment. I didn't like some of the people that I was coming across and the type of conversations I might be having. Mm. Like I just, it just wasn't right for me. And I'm not saying there's there's bad people on the building site or- um, It's just not uh, the environment that you saw yourself being in and the one an environment that you wanted to be in in the future so exactly yeah i understand that i couldn't i couldn't excel in that in that area mm. so yeah working for the company um training in the gym now because i'm trying to get fit and strong for football playing football like three times a week building myself up from the reserves to the first team things were going well i was getting fitter and stronger starting to get some shape i was getting abs i was like yeah this <laughs> nice. is decent um and um and then um and then at some point I realized, I was like, I don't want to do the decorating anymore. Yeah. And then I just, it just clicked to me. I was like, why not become a personal trainer? Yeah. And I had a friend at the time who was doing personal training at Ballantines. He was working as a fitness instructor. Yeah. And I kind of liked his lifestyle and the way he was doing things. And that's when I decided to quit my job. And I went into um, full-time education for becoming a personal trainer. I've done like a 10 week course, five days a week. And um, that was it, became a coach. So it sounds like that that personal trainer from the young offenders uh, period in your life very much planted the seed, although it didn't come to fruition straight away. I think it, it sound from what it sounds, it's very much planted the seed. And when you realized that you wanted to align your passion with your career, that it made sense. That's what it sounds. So the two key relationships yeah. that kind of came up to me in the yeah. story were obviously your mum, yeah. the personal trainer at the, during the young offenders period. Yeah. Was there anyone that played a role in helping you realize or anything that helped you realize that I don't want to be a painter anymore? Because I feel a lot of people just stay on that path. A lot mm. of people don't have those realizations or have those people to change their direction in life. Was there yeah. anything that helped you change your direction? Yeah, it's a good point. Actually, I was quite, um, I was quite blessed to have certain people around me who could support me and help get me out of that environment. Because I do look back now and I see old friends I used to hang around with, and I'm look, I'm kind of looking at their situation. I'm like, like their yeah, situation probably, didn't change yeah. too much. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, mine did, and mine changed massively. Mm. Um, and, seeing, seeing what you could have been. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, how did you know? How did I get to here? And um, my mum, for example, she was like, she always had my back, always had my back. Even when I was in court cases, getting arrested by the police, doing certain things that I had done. And maybe I'd had to lie, I'd lie about to get out of it. Like my mum always had my back, always. So she brought me and my sister up by herself. And she's never, we've never had, uh, there's never been a man around. Like my mum's always been single. She's always been fully focused on her kids, fully dedicated. She is you could say obsessed, which most mothers are, right? Mm. But I kind of do look at her sometimes. I'm like, oh, yeah, she's a bit too obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's kind of, yeah. And I kind of like her support was big, always having her to back me and provide for me and stuff like that. Um, and I think just seeing like, as I got older, I started to look at her journey, like bringing two kids up by herself with not a lot of resources. Mm. I remember that like when we were younger, um, you know, my mum didn't work or anything like that. She was, you know, we were, there was a time when we were like living in a, in a big house with other families. We were waiting to be housed by the council. So we were like living in a house, a big house with other families. Cause we didn't have, we didn't have like um, much you could say. Yeah. And um, I remember there being a time when we got into this, like, I don't know what they call them now, but um, we were getting helped by the government and remember there being times when like we got into this one place and I remember the first day we moved in, I must've been about five, six years of age. And um, we 
we were housed in this big house with other families and we were in one room, like, so my mum, me and my sister all in one room. And um, I remember getting in the room and for me, it was fun. Like I just got to a new room, there was bunk beds, there was toys to play around with. I'm jumping around like, this is so exciting. <laughs> and I remember looking at my mum and she was on the bed crying. Oh, Yeah, I was. I just, I remember just looking at her and being like, why is she crying? Mm. And then I, yeah. And then like, obviously she wasn't happy with the situation we was in. She wanted to do better for us. That's why she was crying. Yeah. So like now I look back on her journey and what she's been able to achieve, uh, bringing up two kids with not a lot and then she, always making sure that we had everything we needed. Yeah. Um, and now me and my sister, you know, I've, you know, I kind of, we've turned out all right. Mm. Um, yeah, like seeing how she done that, that's for me, that's inspiring. Like, I'm like, if she can do that by herself, mm. then whatever I do is easy work. Was so, she, yeah. was she, is she quite a lot like you? Uh, you have a quite a, uh, a very positive yeah. energy about yourself. Is that, yeah. does that come from your mom at all? I think um, she's definitely, there's definitely similarities like her energy, like mm. uh, she's quite fiery as well, which I can be sometimes, not so much anymore. But um, yeah, she's like, yeah, quite, she's quite loud. She can be loud. She can, she loves to have a laugh and a joke. Um, and yeah, when she's got me and she's very determined, like, yeah, if she puts her mind to something, that's it, it's done, it's gonna happen. Um, so yeah, there's definitely similarities there, yeah. Amazing. It's quite a journey that you've been through. Is there anything throughout that journey that has molded yourself into the businessman that you are today and also the coach that you are today? Definitely. Um, I think being where I was and living the life I was living, and then managing to get myself out of it. Um, it gave me a lot of belief in myself. Like, yeah, cause back then I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself, a lot of, didn't have a lot of self-esteem, believe it or not. Um, and anything that I tried, I never ever finished anything. And um, yeah, and then managing to get myself out of that situation and get myself on a straight and narrow, doing an apprenticeship with a decorating company, then starting to do what I was passionate about, get fit and healthy. Um, started to feel good about myself. It built confidence, it built belief within me. And I kind of like felt like if I could, if I was, if I was able to get myself from here to there, um, then I could do anything. I was creating adversity in the gym. So I was in that battle and that was creating um, a resilience within me that was helping me take that strength I was gaining in the gym and take it out, take it out of the gym into my business, my personal life. And I was applying that same method. For example, I might go on the rowing machine. Back then I used to do a workout. It was called the four, five fifties. Yeah, this so, is, you got, I've got to tell you about this workout. <laughs> so, so back then there was, um, there's a workout. It's uh, 550 meters on the rower, all out effort. Already a bad start. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you rest for a minute and you do it four times. And there was a friend in the gym I had and he was very much like me. We were like, always like, um, it's all about the mindset. Mm. And we used to go and do the 550s. And before you'd start the 550s, you'd never ever want to do it. Of course. <laughs> you'd always try and talk yourself out of it. Yeah. So that you, so if you started it, first battle won. Mm. And then the first, like the first interval, the first two intervals are always the hardest because like you're just getting started mm. and you know you've got quite a bit to go. But once you get past them first two intervals and you get towards the end, it's like game on and then you really do push yourself. But that by the time you finish that four, uh, 450, uh, the four times 550 workout, mm -hmm. like literally, it's like you've been through the battlefield. You were a wounded soldier. <laughs> you went through the battlefield and you made it out. Yeah. So that was the type of stuff I would be telling myself in my head. And then I'd go out and I'd go to work or mm -hmm. do anything and I could be doing something in work that seemed a bit of a challenge. And I'd be like, you just smashed out four times 550 this morning yeah, and nearly quit, work. but you yeah. kept going. <laughs> yeah. Like this is nothing. Mm. So I had, like, I was building a, a resilience within the gym mentally. And I was taking that outside the gym and using it in my daily activities, my daily life, my relationships. And could you, could you do those four 550s by yourself? Because for me, I would need someone to either go against, to compete against. Yeah. Whereas if I'm in the gym by myself, I can, I have that room to just go, oh, you know, three will do if I can actually make three. But could you do that by yourself? 100%. It was always done by myself. Although I had my friend, we never used to do it together. 
Oh, really? We'd do, do it at different times, but we'd take, we'd, we'd, he'd, it, we'd keep each other accountable. Mm. We might meet each other in the change room. Did you do the four, five fifties? How was it? And that's the beauty of it. Because like, there's no one else shouting at you or motivating you. You gotta be self-motivated. When you're on that rower and and your brain's saying, um, go easy today, or you've done enough, you've done, a, you, you've done a good workout yesterday, or maybe just do free intervals, you're not feeling too good today, mm. and your brain's trying to get you to give up and quit, but you don't quit and you keep pushing on, and there's no one else telling you to keep going, mm. you've told yourself, you've kept yourself accountable. That's, that's where that true strength comes from. You've obviously trained a lot of high-level athletes being in around, you know, Max Campos, Michael Venom Page, all sorts of people. Yeah. What have you learned from them as to how you can better yourself generally in terms of as an athlete yourself, but then also your approach to business? Um, I think the biggest thing I've, I take from working with some of the top athletes is, especially within London Shoot Fighters, is um, seeing the dedication the guys put into getting to where they wanna be. Um, you know, they're in the gym every day, training two, three times a day. Um, when they're not training, they're probably watching martial arts uh, or going to a class to watch other people train to see what they can learn. Um, so when I was, when you know, when I was in that environment, going into the gym and you're seeing these these guys turn up every day and literally that's all they ever do. That's inspiring within itself. Like I would leave the gym, you know, wanting to get back to Oxford and train jujitsu or become a better coach and excel at what I'm doing. Um, so their dedication to, cause you're, you know, the thing is you're gonna get people who say they wanna, wanna become a world champion or they wanna do this but then do their actions match it. Um, and it's inspiring to see someone um, not only state what they wanna become, or oh, I wanna be a UFC world champion, mm. but also have the actions to go with it. That's for me, that's inspiring and motivating. Um, so it's very much the dedication to showing up every day, regardless of how you feel. Um, I assume, you know, a lot of athletes, you know, well, can't call myself an athlete, but there are times when I'm sore, you know, I don't want to show up. Is there, does that impact you as well? Is there moment? Is there times where you don't want to show up? I mean, is there days that you don't feel like going to the gym and what do you do to combat that? Yeah, definitely. There's times when I'm like tired and, um, or not might be lacking a little bit of motivation or might have a, a few injuries here and there. And I'm like, oh, I could do with a day off from going jujitsu today. You know, someone, you know, the guy, you know, there's gonna be someone there fresh who's gonna be trying to kill you. Yeah. Like you could be turning up, you're you're a little bit off it. And then, you know, there's gonna be at least one person who's on it mm. and um, they're gonna be trying to choke you out or break <laughs> your arm. So you, yeah, like sometimes you're like, oh really, do I have to go through that again today? Or kind of just, um, but like, yeah, it's, it's having that, that motivation within yourself. It's just like, you need to you need to get the job done. You yeah. need to go there. You need to improve. And they're the sessions as well. Like when you're when you when you're thinking about not going or you're thinking about going easy, mm. um, and you push yourself and you go and do it. That that's what takes you to the next level. Mm. That's like because you've over you've overcome that um, battle within your own mind. Um, so and that's 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 bigger than anything you can do physically. Mm. It's easy. You can beat your mind. It's easier to do it when you're motivated, that's for sure. I can speak on that myself. Yeah, yeah. But it's like you said, those days that you you don't want to do it and that you push through. You mentioned London mm. Shoe Fighters. Yeah. Is there any particular athletes there that come to mind when you think of the dedication and and learning from being around, being in and around those fighters? Yeah, definitely. Like pretty much the majority of the, all the athletes I've worked with within London Shoot Fighters and the athletes that I haven't worked with, like they're all super dedicated, like to even get inside that gym and be training with the pro team. Like you've got to have the dedication because the coaches won't accept anything less. So everybody within that gym who is in that pro team, are super dedicated and, and they're there for one reason is to become the best fighter they can become and you know, win, win titles. Mm. Um, 
So I've learned, I've, 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 I've learned from uh, seeing all sorts of people in there. Like you've got the, you've got the top end. You've got people like Michael Venom Page. You've like, he's been there, done it, fought on big shows, like been doing it for years. Um, and yeah, like he's super impressive with his skills and his confidence, his belief, you know. And yeah, I'm, I'm super impressed with someone like Michael because when it comes to fight night, when it, when it comes to the crunch, like some people can perform and some people won't perform. And Michael's one of them guys who are like, when it comes down to the crunch, whether it's a sparring session or it's um, fighting uh, on the, at the main event on Bellator, mm. like he switches it on, he's ready to go. Mm. Um, there's, there's no lack of confidence within, within him. Um, so, cause you'll get guys in the gym, like when they're fighting in the gym, they're amazing. They're like super talented and like, they look like world champions in the gym. And then when it comes to fight night, they fall apart. Mm. So, um, but Michael's not one of them guys. He's one of them guys who knows how to switch on. And when it comes to the crunch, that's when he's at his best. Um, and then you've got, yeah, you've got loads of athletes in there. You've got like Felix, you've got Alfie Davis. And then you've got the younger lads, which I'm super impressed with. Like, honestly, some of these younger lads, they're like 18, 19. Yeah. They're seriously, man. Like they, I can't, I, I just look at them and I think they're destined for UFC. Like the, the top shows, whether it's Bellator, UFC, um, they're destined for like big things. Um, yeah, they're 18, 19 and they're yeah, living in the gym. Crazy. Like literally they're in the gym. Like some of them are sleeping in the gym. Mm. Um, that's all they do, like two, three times a day. And then when they're not training, they're watching it. Mm. Um, they're obsessed with it. So like I'm seeing that and I'm like, these these kids are going on to big things, man. Mm. There's definitely a jealousy side mm. for me because I see people that are so young, so dedicated to what they love. And I'm very jealous that they found it so early. I feel mm. obviously we've all gone through our own journeys. We all go through our own journeys, but to find something that you love and when you want to dedicate your life to, I think is something very special. And I'm excited to see it come in fruition, hopefully within the next few years for those fighters from Shoot Fighters. Yeah. Speaking on Shoot Fighters, they also are training KSI. Yeah. Who I don't know if you know, but he started Misfits, which is a sporting organization for creators personalities influences if you want to call them yeah uh you've trained a few yourself how has it been in fact what do you make of influencers creators personalities stepping into the ring through the octagon what do you make of it all yeah i love it it gives me more work <laughs> <laughs> gives me some more people to work with um so and it, yeah I, I i i'm all for it um yeah, what about three years ago? I got a phone call from a friend, and he told me about Little Man. I didn't, I didn't even know about Little Man. Didn't know about his social media platform, all that sort of stuff. Mm. He said, "Look, I've got this guy. He's gonna, he's gonna have a boxing match. He's not a fighter, but he's gonna have a boxing match. He's got a big platform. I think this will be good for you." And at first, I was like, "Not really my thing." I work with pro fighters, mm. guys who um, are doing this, have been doing it all their life, and who want to become world champions. And I was like. Do you know what? It was at the it was at the time of COVID, so I had a little bit more time on my hands. I was like, do you know what? Based on my friend as well, I wanted to help my friend out. I said, I'll give it a go. Mm. So we organized a training session um for Little Man and uh, obviously got to meet Little Man and straight away we hit it off. Mm. I got along well with him. I you know, kind of um I get I get his upbringing and stuff like that. And, you know, he we 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 have a connection and um yeah, like and then seeing like the platform that he was given. Like was unbelievable. Yeah. Like he was getting the platform he was given in terms of like the the press conferences, um, you know, the fight night show and how it was all set up. Mm. You know, it was better than some what some pro fighters are getting. And I was just like, wow. I was like, this is amazing. Mm. So for me to be part of that and learn from that experience mm. was 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 beneficial for me. And um and it did get me a lot of exposure, mm. exposure that I didn't think I would get. For example, I was getting messages on Instagram going, you know, you're training Little Man, can, can you train me? Um, or I'd be walking down a straight street and they'd be like, this is Little Man's coach. And I'd be like, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, I'd even get some amateur fighters or some some up and coming pro fighters who would text mm. me and say, look, I'm interested in strength and conditioning. I'd be like, how did you find out about me? And they'd be like, I see you on Little Man's page. Mm. I was like, perfect. This is obviously helping me. This is beneficial for me to be working with these influencers because mm. it's getting me to where I want to be as well in terms of working with professional athletes. Absolutely. I'm all for it's, it. 
it's no longer good enough to just be a talented fighter. You have to have, well, if you want to be a top level athlete who's bringing in lots of money, who's um, got a name for himself, you have to be present on those platforms. And, you know, you take your content very seriously. Mm. And was that as a result of being in and around Little Man? Is that, because, you know, it takes on average bit of a fun fact it takes yeah. on average it's probably even outdated so it's more mm. than this seven touch points f- between a business and a prospective customer for them to even consider purchasing from you right okay. and i think that's outdated yeah. especially in the age of the internet yeah. and some people are saying up to 40 to 60 touch points yeah i've heard 13 yeah yeah but even before. still you need to be putting out content and you're very good with your content. You're good on your social media side yeah. of things. Being exposed to the influencer creator side of things, has that provided some sort of motivation to take it more seriously? Yeah, like I've never really been a big social media person. Before I got into personal training and before I had a business, um, I had a Facebook page, but I remember just like shutting it down. Mm. I was like, I don't need it. I don't want it. Um, and then getting into business, I was like, all right, this is, you know, I remember a friend of mine, Jamel, I didn't have an Instagram page. He was like, you should have Instagram. Like this is, you can promote what you're doing. You can put pictures up of you training your fighters, blah, yeah. blah, blah. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, he's got a point. So then I started an Instagram page and then didn't really like it. Again, it's still like, even now, like it's a little bit hard for me, even though I do deliver content. Mm. Um sometimes there's a bit of a headache. So at some point I'm definitely gonna want someone to take over that business for me, mm. which I've already had someone do for me mm. um, and continues to do for me. Um, but in a bigger way in the future, I'd rather have someone just take the whole thing off me yeah. and just deal with everything. Um, but I understand, even though it's like, it can be a bit of a headache for me having to go on Instagram and post stuff and yeah. write descriptions and all that sort of stuff or edit content, put it together. I understand that it's a form of marketing that's absolutely free. Mm, Yeah. It's free. Like I could put up a video of some type of training or training an athlete or me training myself. And that potentially would get a prospect who sat on their sofa, off their sofa, Mm. messaging me or calling me, that gives me the opportunity to help somebody. So I'm like, this this is something here. Like if I just, be a little bit more consistent with it and see it in a different way. Mm. This allows me to help. This is going to allow me to help more people mm. and showcase what I do, which ultimately the end goal is to help more people. Generate more business. Zooming out a little bit, because we've talked yeah. about kind of influences, athletes and things like that. Yeah. Is there anyone that you look at in a business sense as a, you know, other coaches that you may, somewhat may look up to? Um. Yeah, there's there's coaches out there I kind of look at and I see what they're doing and I can I can see wow that you know they're making a lot of moves. For example, um, really like what Phil Derue does, strength conditioning coach in America. Um, I love the the way he's so consistent with what he does. Mm. Like you know, one minute he's doing the podcast, next minute he's you know he's he's uploading content to his Instagram, and then he's training top athletes. Mm. You know, he's constantly on it and he's always delivering content. You know, he's got online programs. Um, for jiu-jitsu fighters, boxers. Mm. I'm kind of looking at him and I'm like seeing all the work and the stuff that he's putting out. Mm. And it makes me realize, look, you can do a lot more. Mm. So um, yeah, Phil DeRue is definitely someone who comes to mind. You can do a lot more, you said. So what does mm. what's in the future for Beyond Boundaries? If you're looking ahead, whether it's five years, 10 years, or even in the near future now, what's, what's next for Beyond Boundaries? Yeah, so um, yeah, like over the last, 10 to 12 years I've been in business, developing my coaching business, which has gone amazingly well. I've done very well, been able to create uh, a lifestyle of wealth and health. And um, I've been able to help many, many people. Like I haven't counted how many people I've helped. I've been able to do exactly what I've set out to do, work with professional athletes, combat athletes, be within a professional environment. I've been able to do all that which has been great. But over the last 10 to 12 years, I've got to a point now where I'm like, I'm in my comfort zone. Mm. Everything's just super comfortable. Like, and that's one of the reasons why I went traveling is because I had this, you know, business that was running. I was working with 
maybe 20 to 25 people of the general public um, doing personal training. And then I had maybe, maybe five to 10 athletes on board as well. So I had all this, like all these clientele and everything was going smooth and everything was comfortable, but I was in my comfort zone mm. and I, di I didn't like it. And I know I can do more. So that's why I left everything. I said, I'm going to step away because I need to come out of this bubble mm. to be able to see clear to what's next. And that's the reason why I s dropped everything six months ago and I went traveling in Europe because I just wanted to give myself that time away. Mm. Um, Was that scary? I, you know, to, to walk away yeah. from everything and face the unknown. Is, was, that's got to be quite daunting, surely. Yeah, definitely. Like when, when, when I first, when, when it was first put to me by a friend who was going away, it's like, no, I can't go away. Like I'm, I'm in London shoot fighters now. I'm well, I'm establishing myself in London. Um, I'm working with top athletes. I've always wanted to be in this position. Mm. You know, I've got um, a successful business where I'm training people one-to-one -one and in small groups. Mm. Like I've got a healthy income coming in. Like, how could I ever leave this? Like the setup is amazing. I've got a great house I live in, in Oxford. Oxford's such a pleasant place. It's not far from Oxford, um, London and where I can travel. Everything was set up beautifully. Mm. And um, I was like, how can I ever do that? I can't drop this. But that was one of the reasons why I dropped it. It's because I, because I didn't want to become a prisoner to my successes. Mm. I didn't want to be a prisoner to that and be tied in, into that or feel like I was tied into that for the rest of my life. Yeah. So I was like, I could step away and I could come back one day and I can build it all up again. Mm. And if not, I'll build, and, and when I do build it up again, it's going to be even better than what it was before. Mm. And because I was in my comfort zone, I kind of felt like I needed that challenge. Yeah. I needed to step back and um, drop everything and then at some point come back and start from nothing and then build myself back up kind of feel like I needed that challenge to go to the next level. Mm. So yeah, it was scary and it was kind of hard for me to get my mind around that happening. At first I was like, that's never gonna happen. And as time went on, I started playing around with the idea a little bit more and then seeing the benefits of what could happen if I did do that, if I just dropped everything and stepped away mm. from everything that I loved and everything that I'd built up. And um, yeah, once I sort of see it from a different angle um, and how that, and how stepping away and going traveling mm. and doing other things, is going to take me to another level and it's going to help me excel. And then at some point when I do come back, um, I'm going to be even better than what I was before. Then yeah, I was all in. Mm. So you're currently, I would say still amidst in your traveling. And mm. so are you thinking about the future or is it just solely, you know, this is my time. I kind of just need to, like I said, step away. Are you thinking like, about your moves in the future or is it just focus on yourself having your health and your wealth? I'm always thinking about my future. Like, even though I've gone away, I haven't stopped thinking about my business and my career. Mm. Like the whole idea to, um, of going away was to help me see things in a different way, to have a new perspective on what I was doing mm. and how I can become a better coach. The goal has always been the same and will always remain the same. Become an expert in my field, become one of the best coaches in the world mm. in strength conditioning, specializing in working with combat athletes and working with the best combat athletes in the world, but also helping the non-athlete reach the best version of themselves. Mm. That's always been the goal. That always will be the goal. So even when I was away, I was still doing things that are, work, that are helping building me work. That. Yeah, building towards that. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, went away, done the Europe thing, got back. I was expecting to go to London in February to start working within some gyms down there and building my reputation in London because there's a lot more opportunity and networks there. But everything's changed. I got back from that European tour and I'm like, I want to keep going. I want to, there's more things I want to do. So now the plan is to go to Thailand, wow. which I'm leaving in two days. Hey. So <laughs> on, fr on Friday, I'm going to Thailand mm. and um, going by myself, booked a one-way uh, one-way ticket one um got a six-month visa for out there and the idea is to get out there and network go to all the best gyms train um do coaching if i can and and on the side i'm going to be building up building up my online platform mm. so i got kind of got to a point in my career now where you know i've always been selling my time for money 
So I'd be doing one-to-one sessions and small group sessions. And at some point that becomes limited. So now I'm working on a platform where I can help hundreds or thousands of people mm. online where it doesn't actually take my time to be there in every single session. Yeah. So I'm building up a platform and it will be beneficial for the masses because before, mm. if you wanted to train with me, you'd have to come to my gym or I'd come to your gym, we'd work face to face. But now like you could be anywhere in the world and you can, you can um, get access to my platform or my members area mm. where you'll get all the exercise demonstrations you need, you'll get all the programs you need, all the nutrition plans, everything you need in order to become the best version of yourself. You'll have it in that that one platform where you could be anywhere in the world. And yeah, it just allows me to help more people and not always have to give my time um, for money. It's definitely basically. the way forward. I feel like very much, you know, eating better, training better. They're quite common goals for most people. Yeah. So... What are your goals? What are, It doesn't necessarily be long-term, yeah. but you know we're in the new year now. Some people have New Year's resolutions. I don't know if you believe in New Year's resolutions or New Year's intentions, whatever they may mm. be. What's What do you want to better about yourself? So in terms of my goals for my own health, mm. um, the easiest way to explain it, I want to be as fit as possible for as long as possible. Simple. <laughs> so when I'm like 50 years of age, I still want to be fit and healthy. I still want to be nice. like, I would still want to be looking good mm. and I still want to be active and I want to still be able to do most things that I can do now. Mm. So stay as fit as possible for as long as possible. Nice, short and sweet. I like that's, it. I that's like the it. goal, man. Any yeah. Anything outside of fitness and health? Any, any... So for me personally, yeah. you know, I want to read 10, I want to read before bed every night. Yeah. I get stuck in the Instagram hole, the TikTok hole, mm. it's too easy to do. So yeah. I'm, for me, I've kept it up for yeah. this year is read before bed. Is nice. there anything, anything like that for you? Yeah. Um, just thinking. Reading is something I already do now. I do 30 minutes a day, nice. which is good. In the mornings, evenings? Uh, get it done in the morning. Nice. Yeah, if nice. I don't do it in the morning, it probably yeah. won't get done. Yeah. So... Get Before it done the straight hectic rush. Yeah, get it yeah. done straight away. Um, I'd say for me, the biggest thing for me this year is um, is is creating more content. Nice. Is um, pretty much try to, uh, I heard this from somewhere, don't create, document. Mm. So now I want to just document everything I do. If I'm working with somebody, mm. document it. If I'm doing having a chat with someone like yourself, document it. If I'm going on a business course, document it. Um, if I'm doing something to change my own health, document it and then create content from that where people can learn from. And yeah, you can help, you can help more people better themselves. Shifting the way you see things. Something yeah. that we've touched on quite a bit. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, thank you very much. I feel like, you know, we've generated a lot yeah. of value even just from this conversation. So yeah. Thank you, Ben. Mate, pleasure. Thank you, sir. Cool.